Take a deep breath, shall we? That's good. Now, I just maybe pulled a fast one on you there a little bit. So I got this article last week. Uh, a lady from Cedar Home Church um, gave it to me. It was in the um, newspaper there on Camino Island. It's like, I mean, they really talk about God in the newspaper? I was going, wow, this is cool. I'm going to have to read it. And uh, so this chaplain, uh, his name is Larry Haas, writing about, um, we're going to be talking about God as our friend, and we're God's friend. But he was talking about that in his way, and it took him to the, the word Yahweh, which in Hebrew is spelled Y-H-W-H, just Y-H-W-H. Uh, we add the A and the E because we're so vowel-heavy that we, have, we don't know how to say it otherwise, right? And so we call it Yahweh. But in the, in the Hebrew, they didn't really they didn't say the name Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. They didn't say that. They came up with Jehovah because um, it was so holy to say. But this, this gentleman in his article was talking about the way it would be pronounced is really the way we breathe. Way. Way. So Y-H in, W-H out. And you're saying the name of God every time you breathe. Every time you breathe, God breathed into his children the breath of life, right? And so he gave us this gift that we acknowledge his presence simply by breathing. And that was uh, the essence of the article. It had a lot more to say there. But um, So when we took a deep breath and we breathed out, we were just praising God's name, and we didn't even know it, right? But now that you know it, man, don't take it for granted. Just uh, even when you are scared and you take a deep breath because you're frightened, you're, you're breathing in God, right? Um, when you're on the soccer field, for those who play soccer, and you're just breathing really deep, just praise the Lord. You're breathing. You got some deep spiritual stuff happening right there. All right, so we want to talk about God being our friend. We're going to look at, uh, eventually we'll get to John fifteen fifteen, But let's have another prayer as we open his word today. Loving Father, we thank you so much for this time of worship. As we peek into this idea that you call us friends, as we maybe wrestle internally a little bit with this, um, may we come to an awake of our life here. We acknowledge you. Help us not to take that for granted, but to acknowledge you in all that we do. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what does it mean... Okay, I think I'm going to try to control this, Daryl. Let's see if we can see if my phone works. All right. Whoops. It says error. Uh-oh, we're off to a good start. So we'll try it again. Mm-hmm. Well, Daryl, good thing you're back there. Give me a hand. <laughs> Let's go to the next slide. So, um... We're talking about being a friend. What does it mean to be a friend? Okay, so we're at tables today. You have some nice um, fruit there to eat and some other niceties to enjoy. Um, I had the pleasure three times this week of going out to breakfast with friends. So friends uh, you can go do breakfast with. We, you know, just the friends are important to us. And um, let's go to the next one there, Daryl, and... Um, 
We'll see qualities of a friend. Let's look at some qualities of what it means to be a friend. So just roll on through there. That would be great. So there's two slides that deal with this. And um, all right. You lift each other up. Uh, you support each other. So meaning lift each other up means that um, when you come together with your friend, it's like happiness and joy. Uh, supporting each other could be happiness and joy, but your friend might be going through a tough time. And you're there to just be with them. I was sharing with someone uh, last weekend and throughout the week and shared with Aaron. Uh, the shower trailer truck got vandalized on Monday, the day before we were going to go take the trailer up the concrete. And so we, of course, that's kind of disappointing, you know, when they steal about $1,500 out of the back of the truck. And uh, the steering column is going to be more than that, right? But anyway, I was sharing that it's a bummer. I mean, that's really a bummer, right? But you have your friend to go through that with. And so um, having your friend there to support each other, even though you're having a challenge, makes it easier, right? Love their differences. You celebrate their differences. Uh, and you accept whatever they bring to the table. They're your friend, right? Uh, be a good listener. It's not just one-sided conversation. And be trustworthy. Okay, let's go to the next one. And uh, respect the boundaries. Um, I, I find it interesting here. Uh, our oldest daughter, name is Jessica, and her best friend that she met at two years of age was is Jessica. And uh, one is, uh, our daughter's about 5'4", and Jessica Kilgore is about six foot. So there are some differences and uh, so it was, uh, it's just fun to see them, even now in their mid-30s, enjoying each other's company. But they would come together. They both loved to read, and they weren't necessarily extroverts, but they enjoyed each other's company. So when they come to, over to the house and play, man, they would just play for about an hour and a half, two hours, and all of a sudden it's quiet. And the parents get nervous when the kids are playing, and all of a sudden it's quiet because typically they're probably not doing what they need to do, Right. And so we go look for Jessica and Jessica, and they'd had enough of each other's time. And one would be reading that side of the house, and one would be reading in that side of the house. And they'd have about 45 minutes of just personal time. Then they get back together and play again. So um, even in their adult lives, that's the, they respect each other's um, boundaries. Give your time to your friend, right? Your friend will call in the middle of the night, and you say, hey, I need such. And you get yourself ready, and you go help your friend out. There's reciprocal connection. It's a give-and-take relationship. Friends create community, and really, you're looking for quality over quantity. So the question is, let's go to the next. Yeah, is Jesus your friend? So there's a piece of paper. There's some writing utensils there. Don't take the card yet, but there's some paper there um, that says, Dear Jesus, on, uh, and there's some lines there. So what I would like to encourage you to do is take a moment and say, answer the question, first of all, for yourself. I hope that's why you're here today, is that Jesus is your friend. And uh, with Jesus being your friend, what would you like to say to Jesus? So I started, I started off for you, dear Jesus, but you could 
start it off another way if you like. But take we'll take about three minutes or so here. Just have some quiet time and write what you want to say to Jesus, okay? And you just hang on to it when you're done. Okay, we're going to bring this to close. You can continue writing. Um, but, Kim, we're going to need the wireless mic on, Sarah, the red one. Jesus, I want to thank you the most for your amazing love and that you were willing to die in my place so I can live forever as a holy, righteous, and redeemed daughter of God. Man, maybe there's someone else who would want to read Brave Soul. You'd want to read. So you have a couple over there, Kim. Thank you for being a caring, loving, and faithful friend. I can't wait to see 
thank you for always being with me for never leaving nor forsaking me mostly thank you for dying for me love and never dying all right Kelsey and then Roger and then we'll move on Amen. Let's jump ahead a couple slides, Daryl, if you don't mind. And <clears throat> keep going. All right. So here's the, the <clears throat> we can, I think most of us, I mean, this might have been challenging for you because we're all different, but I think most people, if they're asked, is Jesus your friend, they'll go, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm getting on with Jesus. Okay. But I want to ask this question. Am I, are you God's friend? That's a different question. Let's go to the next uh, slide, Daryl. John 15, 15, Jesus is talking in the upper room. It's before they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's talking with his disciples. And he makes this states this right here. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So Jesus in John 15 says to his disciples and says to us, I call you friends. The question is, are, are we trustworthy? Do we make time for God, our friend? Is there a reciprocal relationship? Do I listen to what he has to say? And on and on the questions go. Let's go to the next slide. Moses was considered a friend. You're going to have to, uh, I think, let's go to Exodus 33, 8 to 11. I might have put it up here. Let's see, Daryl. Jump forward. Yeah. So we'll just follow along with me as I read. Now, this is before the... Uh, sanctuary was built, and uh, Moses had taken his tent and took it outside of the, tent, of the encampment, and they called it the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. And so here's where we're um, picking up on the story. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. This is pretty mind-blowing when you stop and think of a million people standing up and watching Moses. I don't know how it worked, but anyway, that's what they did. When Moses entered the tent, now catch this, 
when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. So let's just put this together. Even I think there's probably anyone over the age of 10 can get this, I think. So if we were in the desert, and we happened for some reason to create this edifice in the desert, and it became worship time, the cloud, according to the scriptures, which was a cloud of fire at night, and a cloud by day, it would direct when you get up and, and start moving. They knew they had to pick up camp and follow the cloud. So we come to church. There's this cloud out here, so we know where to go. We come into the parking lot. We come into the church, and the cloud comes beep down by the door right out there. This is what's happening at the tent that Moses goes into, and that cloud comes down and stands at the door. Let's go to the next. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. There's a lot going on here, and you wonder why when Moses is up on the, on the Sinai getting the tablets of stone, and God sees the ruckus that's happening down in the camp, and he says to Moses, I'll tell you what, let's just wipe the people out, and we'll start over with you. That's what he says. And Moses says, oh, time out, God. He didn't use the word time out. But he says, far be it from you, that's not your character. People are going to make fun of your holy name if you destroy the people you brought out of Egypt. So if you're going to do that, why don't you just wipe my name out too? You need to repent. He calls the Lord to repent. Moses calls God to repent. And the scriptures say God repented. Uh, these are these, they're tight. Moses and God are tight. Okay, they're friends. And God knew that he could share his feelings with Moses, and he knew that Moses would intercede for the people. Let's take a look at another story. Well, you saw Joshua there. Um, did you leave the slide there? Joshua didn't leave the press. So when Joshua's in battle, right, and he says, Son, hold still. Moon in the valley of wherever it was. Stop. And it stood still. He had a relationship like Moses had with God. Fabulous. Fabulous. You want to pray for miracles today? I'm just guessing we need to have a relationship like Moses and Joshua and Abraham had. Take a look at this one, Abraham. James, we're going to actually look at James 2, 23. We, we say this all the time. Not, we say, we we've, can say this all the time, but it's repeated prior to James in those other two Old Testament passages. But James is saying, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. He was called the friend of God, Abraham. You get Second Chronicles, the reference there, and you see it in Isaiah 41, verse 8. They reference Abraham as being God's friend. Think about it. Maybe someone here can help me out. Um, I think that the last congregation 
Oh, this doesn't sound right. We're too many vegetarians in the last conversation. I couldn't answer them. That's okay. They can be vegetarian all they want. I'll tell you where I'm going. So, you know, when the story in, in Genesis and is and Moses is, not Moses, Abraham's underneath the trees at Mamre, and he's sitting there, and these three strangers show up, and uh, he greets them as they do, and he provides water and so forth, and he says, go get the calf and prepare the calf. How long does it take to barbecue a calf? Anybody have an idea? If you're going to get a calf, you're going to prep it. That's going to take some while, right? And you're going to dig a pit. Maybe the pit was already there. And you're going to put it on a spit, and you're going to start a fire. And the fire's got to get the right temperature. And you've got to put the calf on there, and you've got to rotate the thing. For how, how long do you think it took? How many? Twelve hours. It took longer than 30 minutes, right? With the Bible, they were still there all day long. And Abraham figures out that this is God he's talking to and two angels. They spent the day at a barbecue. So why we could have a barbecue on the 16th, right, of April? Jesus, it doesn't say it. I can Gideon. When Gideon prepared the food, the angel went and burned it up, right? That's not what it says in Abraham. We don't know. I'm just assuming that God had calf for dinner. But what the story says is later when they're done, they're walking to Sodom and Gomorrah, and the two angels go on, and God talks to himself. I love it. God says in his mind, you read it in Scripture, how do I keep this thing I'm about to do from Abraham? He's going to be the father of a great nation. Okay, so he stops, and he turns to Abraham, and he begins to say what's going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. And we read the story. Abraham says, but if there's 50 righteous, there's just 50. Will you destroy it for 50? And that whole story of intercession, right? So if you're a friend of God, God knows that you know his heart. You're trustworthy. God will turn around and say, intercede for my people. Intercede for my people. So you're downtown Mount Vernon, and you're walking along, and you have an impression to go visit somebody, go see somebody, go pray somewhere. That's God. God's saying, I need you to do this for me today. You remember, for those who were here for Adventist World Radio and Ron, uh, uh, Ron, Roger, anyway, he was talking up here about when he was in Alaska, and he got to his office, wasn't a whole lot happening, but he could keep himself busy, and he got the impression he needed to go to a certain place. Just go drive to this place. He didn't know why. He goes and tells his coworker, I got to get in my car and go drive to this place. And he goes and drives. Goes to the first door, knocks on the door, because he doesn't know why he's there, but this lady opens it. He tells him that he's a Christian worker from, and she just busts down in tears. You need to come in and see my husband. And husband had been praying for someone to come and teach him the Bible. And God knew he could get Roger's attention, and Roger would go. You see? It's like the phone call Sarah got this week. Well, we got this message, I think, earlier, but we returned it this week. And a gentleman was suicidal, needed to talk with somebody, and it came. the phone call came at just the right time. Although we'd gotten the message a few days earlier, right? And we're just getting around to returning the call at just the right time. See, God will do that with his friends because... You know, and he knows that you know his heart. So let's go to the next slide here. And here's maybe, might become a little bit of a challenge, but I want you to get into this for the next 
few minutes, we're going to move right into our closing song. But there's um, cards at your table, the nice-looking cards. I want you to grab a card, and there's an envelope. And on that envelope, I want you to write your address so this can be mailed to you. Okay? It's a, I know an odd thing. This is kind of the old-fashioned snail mail idea, but it's really cool. Put your name and address on there if you're comfortable, and we'll, when, and you get the card out, and you want to write, what would God... What would God say to you? Now, this is a letter not from you to God. We already wrote something from us to God as our friend. But what would God say to you as his friend? So put yourself a little bit in holy imagination and write, Dear Don, this is God. (laughs) Okay? What would God say to you right now? You don't have to tell anybody. We're not going to read this out loud. It's just between you and God for the next about five minutes, and the music's going to start, and we're going to move into our closing song. But uh, put it in the envelope when you're done, seal it up, and Kim will come around and collect them here in about seven minutes. When you hear the music play, um, she'll come pick them up, okay? And then what the elders will do, elders and I will pray over these cards. We're going to let the Holy Spirit tell us when to mail your card to you. What Kim and I have learned in doing this over the years is that people will receive these cards just the time the Holy Spirit knows that they need it, okay? So take, now it's six minutes, I'll be quiet.